Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Caitlin Halpert is the growth engineer at 3Q Digital. She's responsible for driving growth, efficiency, and new ideas to enable 3Q to the best to best serve current and future clients. She has worked in digital marketing since 2011 and held positions at dealer.com and iSearch Media before joining the 3Q team in March of 2014. Caitlin graduated from Dartmouth College and is a native of Vermont. Her experience includes management of paid search, paid social, comparison shopping, Amazon marketing services, YouTube, and display. She's worked with a variety of clients from e-commerce to subscription services to B2B lead generation. Caitlin specializes in data-focused digital marketing experimentation to push past best practices to drive the performance for agency clients. As an industry thought leader, she has spoken at HeroConf, SEMPDX, and SMX East, West, and Advanced. My gosh, could we list anything else here, Caitlin. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite. Thanks for having me. I tell you, we're excited to have you. What a background. And I I believe that you're speaking at IRCE coming up here real soon too, which is where I learned about you. Uh, Yep. I will be there the first week in June. Well, fantastic. Tell us about your journey landing you at really such a young age on a senior management team. Yeah, I think I've always been quite ambitious and uh, I've worked really hard to not be complacent and really challenge the status quo. Ultimately, you know, not afraid to cause some friction if I think it's what's right for me and what's right for the company that I work at. And that ends up getting recognized as something that can help move the agency forward. And so I've, I've certainly been, been rewarded for that. And I feel lucky to be where I am. Well, I tell you, I think they're lucky to have you. (laughs) Um, Talk to us about some of the leadership qualities you feel are necessary to succeed in today's ever-changing business climate. I think that the number one thing that leaders need to have at this point is, is to be visionary and that they can pass on that sort of vision to everyone that works for them. So it can kind of trickle down to everyone in the organization and that they have this very clear explanation and viewpoint on where not only the industry is going, but where their company is going. And I think part of that is also this culture of embracing change and knowing that change is always going to happen. And we want to stay ahead of the change and be changing more rapidly than our competitors as rapidly as the industry is changing so that we can really stay ahead. Because I think that's a leadership mistake that some organizations can make is that they fear change and then they they kind of fall behind the curve there. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, You're working with an entrepreneurial organization right now. And I think that's one of the gifts that leaders of entrepreneurial organizations provide their teams is that vision, is that thought process, is that risk-taking, that always wanting to learn mentality. How do you... And and you've got that, I must say. You really do. You're really pushing the envelope. How have you, what has the difference been with some of the very large corporations you've worked with in the past to now this entrepreneurial driven organization that you are considered a key player in? I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me on that that question is just lack of red tape, right? And and that comes (laughs) down to 
the ability to embrace change, right? You have to be a nimble organization if you want to change and grow rapidly. And so you kind of have to find that right balance of structure. Uh, every organization needs some level of structure, but you don't want that structure to stifle growth. Right. I agree. Now, how do you define your leadership style and your approach uh, to getting things done? Um, yeah, I think that I certainly try and have that visionary approach where I want to inspire people to inspire people, right? It's not just about inspiring your direct reports, but you need to inspire them to inspire their direct reports to really pass that on through the organization. And I also think that a level of flexibility and leadership is really important as well in any managerial role where you have to understand each individual's needs and adjust to what they need and what they want. Um, and also that's going to change over time. Yeah. Ultimately, I just, I really like to foster an environment that's innovative by being open-minded to all ideas, right? I got where I am today by questioning the status quo. And so I want to encourage that in others as well. Well, we have no choice with digital marketing, right? I mean, it is changing so quickly and we're becoming so sophisticated as marketers, I believe, uh, in pushing out the innovation uh, that the MarTech side of it dictates that we better be revolutionary and visionary and moving things along, right? Yeah, definitely. Now, we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about digital marketing. Let's get back to basics here. Let's talk about the evolution first of paid search to today's digital climate or market? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, paid search was really sort of the beginning of digital marketing. It was pretty simple pay-to-play game, but you still had this huge opportunity to get a ton of free traffic through SEO. And then that's just evolved more and more. Google changed the SERP. And it's just more, you have to pay more for traffic than you did before. That being said, though, SEM, paid search, it's not the only way that you have to find users anymore and not the only kind of intelligent, targeted way that we have to find users. And so I think the biggest development over the past couple of years has been uh, audience targeting and how that's really unlocked a lot more opportunities. And Google is actually the laggard here where they were a leader in, in search and paid search. Um, they kind of are behind the eight ball on uh, audiences. Now, all of that is really up in the air, though, because even in the past couple of weeks, past couple of months, there's been a lot of changes as Facebook has kind of reversed some of their policies on the audiences, and that makes other platforms reconsider how they treat third-party data. So it's just continually getting more complex and it's always changing. Um, and it's really about being nimble. I think that uh, digital marketing is, is kind of funny because your years of experience um, don't really help you that much because what it was like five years ago is, is just so different from where we are today. Where do you see the audience targeting um, component of digital moving? I think that it's only going to open up more and more. I think there are going to be these stops and starts like um, what's happened at Facebook where they have announced that they're going to get rid of the ability to target um, third-party user data. But those highly targeted ads are just so valuable and they're better received by the consumer as well. So I think that as long as everything can be kept under control and it comes to privacy, that there's just going to be more ways for us to use third-party data to target users and really hone in on the people most 
likely to be interested in, in the products that we're trying to sell. Yeah, I agree. Now, the industry goliaths, uh, you know, as you've noted, are Facebook and Google right now. Um, and they are dictating so much um, of the landscape that many advertisers need to really uh, achieve and meet their, their sales and revenue goals, which is a great problem to have, right? What advice do you have for navigating this and getting ahead of the game? I think that you have to put time aside to read industry blogs and see what else people are doing what they're testing because even if you're at a large agency, you have access to a lot of accounts, there there are things that you might not be able to test because of your client base or if you're just an individual uh, business that it's kind of the best way for you to learn what's going on in the industry and the cross-section of SEM and uh, digital marketing generally with your specific vertical. Uh, beyond that, though, I think that whatever relationship that you have with Facebook and Google, you want to leverage it as much as possible. So a lot of larger businesses have uh, a rep that they can work with. Um, you can try and request one. And if you do have a rep, it's like ask for as much as possible from them and just really push for more and more. Uh, and then when it comes to what what you can do within your own accounts and things like that, it, it's kind of the same thing where it's it's being ready for change. You know that change is going to happen. It's going to happen multiple times throughout the year. And you have to be ready for that by testing a lot, being nimble, and really testing against best practices. So even if all the material says that in Google, we should have five to seven ads per ad group, well, test against that to see if that actually does make sense for your account. Right. Test and scale, right? Those are two of my favorite words. <laughs> now, um, you know, you've just defined for our audience today why third-party resources are so important when it comes to really navigating that and outsourcing uh, those sort of services to an agency like Avocet or, or yourself. Uh, at the same time, we know that measurement is huge for all marketers, um, but it is so complex. How do you truly measure and give credit where credit is due and perhaps provide a few tips here? Yeah, I think the number one thing, and this is accessible to all organization, and that's to really plan and think about and talk about what your business goals are and make sure that those are on all levels of the organization. You know, a lot of times we'll work with like a B2B organization where the uh, we have like a VP of growth who is just responsible for driving leads, but they have no goals associated with lead quality or actually actual revenue associated with that. Uh, and I think that's a business mistake to m not make sure that everyone within the organization is driving towards that same singular goal, whether it's revenue growth or improving customer LTV, whatever it is, you want to make sure that everyone is aligned and then you can take your measurement as aligned with those goals. So you want to make sure that we're assigning values to every action that our customers are taking online. Um, that's not always straightforward, but I think it really starts with that planning process. And then, you know, there's free tools like Google Analytics that are going to give you a lot of flexibility to, to track a lot of things that happen on the website. And then you can get mo much more sophisticated, take that up a notch by leveraging a multi-touch attribution tool or doing some match market testing to really evaluate the incremental value of anything that you're doing in marketing, whether it's you know, a TV buy in an individual market, or whether you should be advertising on brand terms on SEM. 
Right. I've got a couple follow-up questions for you on um, the, that insight that you've just provided. There are still a lot of B2B brands who do not see the value in social advertising. They are stuck in the trenches on the organic side, and they're pushing out photos of, um, you know, of their latest picnic. <laughs> what do you say to those brands that have not gotten on the bus and are realizing that this is an incredibly strong tool for them to implement? I think that uh, one of the biggest things to point out to those B2B companies is all of the targeting options that are available. It's not just on LinkedIn that you can target people specific to the industry you're targeting, but you can do that on Facebook as well. Um, and there's just so much volume to be had there. And it's also what what is kind of the harm in doing a small test when there's so much to gain and so much growth potential by getting in front of the right users with this really great audience targeting that we have available. I think there's, it also doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You could take an account-based marketing approach as well, where you're really focused on key accounts that you're trying to acquire. And you can take those approaches on social platforms uh, and, and not spend a lot of money. Yeah, that's great. And and you mentioned lead quality with getting sales to the table and really um, understanding what their goals are. But I think all too often, marketing is forgetting the sales team and they're driving through and making decisions without sales at the table. And sales provides so much value from understanding, you know, how they're closing deals and what messaging is resonating with people that we could, you know, bring into ultimately a, a social uh, strategy. Talk to me a little bit about your experience there and maybe some of the outcomes that you've been able to achieve by getting all parties involved at the same table, making the decisions at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, in my past experience working with clients, it was always a challenge to get, get them to share that data with us. And once they did, though, once they kind of got over the hump on that one and I guess took the risk on sharing that right. data with us, we could really prove to them that that ultimately improved their bottom line. And, and sharing that information is really important. From my experience now within 3Q Digital, uh, you know, I'm on the business development team and working with our marketing team to make sure that the content we're producing is attracting the right leads. And this is an ongoing conversation. There's just so much more value in having a conversation between those two groups to make sure that the work that marketing is doing isn't getting wasted because it's sending us a bunch of poor quality leads. And you just have to have those communication lines open to improve. And I think that one of the things that can be a barrier is that a lot of times marketing teams within a B2B org kind of are, they're just focused on those volume numbers, not just the volume of leads, but the volume of content that they're producing. Uh. And getting sales involved can help really re-educate that, hey, we don't need to produce 50 white papers this year. We can produce four if they're the right white papers and they work even better for our advertising campaign and are going to drive those highest quality leads. Yeah, I completely agree. Thank you for going off script there and providing that additional insight. I appreciate it. One of the covert strategies that Avocet deploys is a process we refer to as competitive intercept. And competitive intercepting allows a brand to intercept a customer while they are engaging with the competition. 
provide us an example on how you've deployed and utilized a similar approach. Yeah, I think that when it comes to SEM, uh, understanding the competition is really critical. So not only do we have competitor campaigns where we're going after uh, our competitors' brand names or product names, but we kind of add in this research on what those competitors are and combine that with our audience information and our customer information as well. So we can use a DMP to combine our site uh, activity with third-party data to, to really understand the potential customer and what they're in market for so that we can have that really high-quality targeting and message them in the best possible way. I think uh, ultimately a really great competitive, a really good competitor campaign comes down to a deep understanding of your customer and combining all of these research and insights that you have to develop a really robust plan. That's great. Now, what do you feel is one of the biggest challenge for brands creating that loyal customer base that you just mentioned? Uh, I think I think it's that customer understanding is actually yeah. the biggest challenge um, because customers are not always going to tell you what they want and what they like and what they don't like. So you actually have to invest a huge amount of effort into researching that and making sure they are constantly going back to your customer to see if what you think your understanding is reflecting reality. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, uh, you can use that information to constantly develop and redevelop your products and your offering by bringing it to your customer, getting that feedback, and then adjusting and bringing it back to them again. So making sure you kind of have this feedback loop, I think, can help you have an ongoing understanding of your customer base and how they use your product. That's great. Now, you wear a lot of hats, Caitlin. Um, You are helping drive innovation and strategy, new technology within the organization. And then on some level, you're still... um, helping guide thought process with your team in the solutions that you're delivering to your clients. And it's a juggling act. We all wear a lot of hats. There's no doubt about it. What is one of the most difficult scenarios you've encountered in your role and how did you overcome it? I think the the most difficult thing that I encountered was the executive team saying, hey, can you just create a team uh, and just like work on innovation? Uh, And they really gave no more guidance than that. So (laughs) (laughs) the challenge was figuring out what they meant by that, what innovation can mean, and basically breaking that down into concrete pieces so that you can actually take steps forward. It's not like you can just flip a switch and turn an organization into an innovative one that has an innovative culture. Uh, but ultimately, this is about being competitive in the marketplace and staying ahead of those changes, like I've been saying throughout this interview, being nimble. Really, that's what innovation is and building that into the process. So I took this very vague ask and uh, broke it down into different steps that I could take that we could take as a team to move us in that direction and to solve concrete problems that all together build together, build into this innovative framework. Well, and you're certainly delivering on that. What one strategy or process have you implemented? I don't know if you'll be dovetailing this with what we just talked about. um, That if CEOs and their teams could consistently apply every day would result into big wins for them. Yeah, I think uh, 
it goes very nicely into what I was just talking about. So ultimately what I used for this innovation challenge was uh, the concept of design thinking, which is ultimately just a way for you to really understand your customers who you're designing for, getting that feedback, ideating on that, and implementing solutions. Uh, so I used IDEO.org's human-centered design framework for this. They're, they were the organization that first kind of spread the message of design thinking, and there are so many different iterations of this that you can use. But ultimately, it's just this framework that you can use in small parts of the organization. You can use it as an organization as a whole. Every single organization can benefit from design thinking and really thinking about the human side of whatever challenge they're facing first and then getting towards kind of what might be feasible solutions. It really comes down to understanding a customer. Uh, and your customer might be your employee who's having the problem. It might be your client that you're working with, or it might be the customer that is buying a product. Like this applies very broadly. And it's just all about having lines of communication and feedback from the people you're designing for. Now, I, I believe that ideo.org actually has a system there that and, and a book that you can download to learn more about this concept of design thinking. Um, can you outline for us very quickly this actual system? I believe Is it a four-step process? Is that right, that you deploy? It's, yeah, it's, it's three steps. So it starts with inspiration, which you can kind of think of whatever your aha moment is. And uh, then you have ideation, where you're really developing what those ideas might be, what are potential solutions, gathering information, gathering feedback. And then the third step is implementation. Uh, and so that's where you're taking all of this information that you've gathered, kind of doing a rapid prototyping, testing things out, gathering feedback, and adjusting until you've got kind of a full deployment of whatever the product or solution is. And I highly recommend downloading the Field Guide to Human-Centered Design. It's available for free on the IDEO website. That's great. I'm looking at it right now, and that is ideo.org for everyone listening today. And it, it looks absolutely amazing. Thank you for that insight and the inspiration that you've provided us along with it. Um, you've shared so many great uh, tidbits and, quite frankly, an incredible vision. Um, so I have to commend you on that. What do you want to be known for? I think that this is a really hard question, but I... I think that what I really value in myself is that I'm kind of a natural devil's advocate in that I'm really always looking for holes in an argument so that can help whatever team I'm working on consider more diverse points of view and not kind of get stuck in groupthink, um, where I can have that critical eye, uh, not in a way that stops any of our progress, but it just helps to make sure that we aren't just moving forward with a certain solution because it's the easiest but that we've actually thought it through and have determined it's going to have the best long-term impact. Which is an incredible segue to one of my favorite quotes from our discussion today. Uh, Challenge the status quo and know a little friction is okay. Caitlin Halpert, thank you so much for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Thank you. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.